1: This is a CBC Podcast. What does a bee see? A team of international scientists has given us the answer to that question, wondering what a bee would actually see through its eyes. That team of scientists has developed a camera and software that allows humans to have a bee's and a bird's eye view. It captures how they and other animals perceive color as they move through this world. Daniel Hanley is the lead author of this study, assistant professor of biology at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. Daniel, good morning.
0: Good morning. Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for being here. This is a wild question. What does the world look like through the eyes of a bee? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Um we, we think so as well, um, because not only can you ask the question of what it looks like through the eye of a bee, but we can ask what the same imagery might look like to another animal, whether it be a horse or a cat or a human or you name it. So what does it look like? <laughs> so they have a totally different uh, visual experience than, than, than us. So bees, unlike us, have the ability to see into the ultraviolet, and they lack the ability to see red. Each organism has uh, the ability to detect color through different photoreceptors in their eye, and we have three. So generally speaking, we can see blue, green, and red light, um, whereas bees can see ultraviolet, blue, and green light. And so what we've done is we are able to capture all of this information and shift it into the human visual spectrum. So we have a a bit of an appreciation for what a bee might be able to detect.
1: Tell me how you're doing this um, with this camera and the software in a way that, that, that I could understand.
0: Yeah, so so essentially what we do is we have two cameras, one of which is sensitive to light that your eye can't see, and the other one is sensitive for light that your eye can see. And we split the light between those two uh, cameras using a specialized piece of glass. That really is the, the trick that makes what we've done special. So our little niche in the scientific community is being able to ask these questions while in motion. We've had a number of techniques that allow us to get an impression of what a bee might see and even photograph in a similar way as we've done. But our system allows you to do this while uh, in motion. So you can sort of fly through a field and imagine what uh, the bee might see as it's, as it's moving. Uh, and so that was really the novelty.
1: You've said that, that, that in many ways, like traditional ways of, of, of examining culture, measuring culture, um, only tell part of the story when you're looking at color in particular, because color, we, we, we're, not seeing the full, we're not seeing the full spectrum,
0: right? That's correct. Yeah, so one of our favorite uh, images, actually, in the paper is that of a rainbow, and uh, and it really takes home this message that we're just missing, piece uh, a piece of a very important piece of the story. So if you looked at the some of the the photos and for your uh, listeners um you can imagine the bands of a rainbow and there's an extra band that's not visible to your eyes so we've sort of layered them right side by side and and birds uh, also can see in the ultraviolet but they see all the colors that we see as well and so lo-, lo and behold that ultraviolet band of the rainbow is there all along and it's and it's quite beautiful and interesting to think about this extra dimension that that we're just lacking.
1: There were some videos that were associated with your research that I saw. One is
0: of somebody applying sunscreen. What is going on in that? So that's um a demonstration of the effect of sunscreen and and how it might appear to to a bee's eye and a white color reflects evenly across all of the different colors, so it's high amount of reflectance or or amount of light coming off in the red, the green, and the blue but of course um the ultra, uh, the the sunscreen blocks ultraviolet waves. So if you were looking at this purely in the ultraviolet band, when I put on that white sunscreen, white to our eyes, it actually looks black in the ultraviolet. Mm -hmm. And as a result of my putting that on, the color to the bee's eye appears sort of yellow because it's, we've shifted what it can see into what what we can see. So now it's just reflecting green and red, which produces a yellow color. Uh, And it, it doesn't reflect any blue because we've shifted the uv to the blue and the blue to the green and the green to the red and so now the sunscreen looks like it's, it's got this yellow tint but it's really just because it's absorbing all of the ultraviolet rays
1: that's fascinating there's another video of this is what a dog would see if a dog was looking at a peacock feather
0: Yeah. So we, 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 we love that uh, photo and, and uh, we had a couple other attempts at uh, shooting the peacock sort of shimmying and shaking. And so that one was a more controlled video of just moving that. And the the interesting thing about a peacock feather is that it's color shifts um, depending on the angle that it is to the viewer. And it's, lacking so much compared uh, when, when seen from the eye of a, of a dog, but we think even more interesting how much it's lacking when viewed in our own eye. So of all of the different viewers that we've, we projected for that, for that peacock, the most interesting by far and the most uh, chromatic, the most striking, uh, the greatest amount of contrast was actually to the eye of the peacock itself mm. or the peafowl itself.
1: When did you start thinking about this? You were a student uh, doing postdoctoral work uh, here in Canada at at the University of Guelph. When did you start thinking about this and what was it about what animals see that got you intrigued?
0: yeah so so i've always been interested in color and and be, long before i went to studying biology i was really interested in art and and, and uh, painting and so that was re- really drew me to ask questions about color and color vision and how colors evolve uh, and one of the reasons that i study my main research area is studying bird eggs and partly at least because they don't move and it was a i was really in, intrigued by the dances and displays and things that birds do um, when they use their colors in context they Mm. try and show off Um, but we couldn't we didn't have tools necessary to really answer the questions I wanted to ask so then I studied eggs because they don't really move they're really easy to work with but then when I got to the University of Guelph there was a a, a researcher named Peter Kevin and he and I were working on some interesting work with uh, flowers and nectar guides so there's patterns that help bees detect uh, where nectar is located and localize and fly into the into the flower and it was really there that we started and that was quite a while ago now at this point but uh, we started thinking about wouldn't it be interesting if we could finally answer these questions about how colors are viewed in motion um and and that's really where it stemmed what's the big question that, that that you are
1: trying to answer i mean part of this is is you know what it looks like but there's something else that's going on here
0: Yeah, there's so many ways in which animals uh, display and use color information. So, um, for example, an individual might, uh, when just compared side by side with another individual, not sort of... uh, sort of appear quite as interesting or quite as attractive as that other individual but sometimes they could depending on how they use their body and position themselves in the right light might actually be quite impressive and and we lack the ability to really detect and measure this but it's so so important because that's going to to determine which of those individuals is going to find a mate and have offspring and what their offspring will do and how these displays and these dances how they evolve and how they change over time that. That's something that's hard to appreciate unless you can go out into nature and and capture it, Um, as are many of the signals and and dances and displays that animals do that are sort of intended to be viewed by more than one animal. So like a female might find an individual kind of impressive if he's really colorful and still hasn't uh, been eaten by a predator that also sees him as colorful. (laughs) so that means that you need to think about it from the eye of the predator and the female. And we didn't really have a way of doing that. Um, so those are all sort of the the questions we were after. But there's a more of a primary... Uh, interest that we had, which was simply exploration and discovery and so there's so many questions there was a little video in there of a of a caterpillar yeah. and they have an os- osmeteria display those little uh, protuberances come out when a when a predator comes to uh, startle them. There's a bit of a scent that comes along I wish we could have captured that scent vision uh, but but there's a little scent and those things come out and they're startling but you can't measure them in any other way. And Vera Vasas, who's the first author and myself, both really feel strongly about the ability to have a tool that you can bring into your own backyard and just explore and discover and get primary observations that later will form the basis of hypotheses. How
1: do you think this will be used, this information? I'd read something about how, when when it comes to birds in particular, I mean, We're very concerned with um, birds flying into windows, for example, because they get confused. They think that they can fly straight through, what have you, that this information could be used to help put films on windows to prevent those bird strikes.
0: Yeah, so that, that's an important angle of my uh, research program here at George Mason University. We're, we're focused uh, on assessing uh, the how glass appears to birds. And one of the things about the ways in which glass appears to birds is that it's really angle dependent. So it reflects a scene that might be visible to a bird. And it, therefore, it's really important that we know how a pane of glass might be uh, viewed from any particular angle. There's many commercial applications of that your viewers might actually apply that are UV stickers or UV decals. You Mm -hmm. can put them on the side of the glass, and the idea is that they absorb UV light but it's only if those are only effective from particular angles and because we can't really see them we don't necessarily know whether or not they're still effective in a year or two years uh because they could photodegrade and we never saw it in the first place they're they're clear to our eye so having something like this at the minimum just to assess whether or not those are need to be replaced is pretty important um and a, another application is, a, of course, another intended purpose of the, of the system, which is really to bridge the gap between science communication and science. Uh, so a, a major um, reason why we embarked on this was because when, when you learn about nature and you learn about colors uh, in documentaries, often we talk about what an animal can see, but we can rarely depict it in a very accurate way. And this was intended essentially to be this tool that would allow storytellers to have an authentic uh, representation of what animals see, so that the viewer at home can actually be looking at their screen and looking at real data, uh, and, and having a sense of uh, that that these are not, you know, concocted for storytelling, but they're actually they're actually real real data that a scientist might use, and and they're viewing it right from their couch.
1: Just before I let you go, what's the question that you still want to answer? This, I mean, where you are at now is fascinating to a lot of people, but what's still tantalizing to you?
0: I think there's many questions about how animals uh, are actually using colors in motion, so whether this be competitive displays or dazzle displays or hidden uh, signals that then get revealed. Um, So all of those questions, along with the conservation questions as well, so the questions about uh, how we can improve uh, glass surfaces to both be effective as windows, but also prevent window strikes from birds.
1: This is so interesting, Um, and the videos are really, really intriguing as well. We'll send people to uh, PLOS Biology to have a look at some of them. Daniel, thank you very much for this.
0: Thank you so much for having me on. It was
1: a pleasure talking to you. Daniel Hanley is an assistant professor of biology at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia. If you want to see some of these videos of what bees and other animals, like birds and the dog and the peacock, are seeing through their own eyes, you can check out his research paper in PLOS Biology, P-L-O-S Biology. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.